Welcome back to DC Cinematic Minute, the daily podcast where we analyze Zack Snyder's Justice League by each individual minute. My name is Nathan. You can find me on all social media at NoClutchNate. And my name is Mark. You can find me on all social media at Mark Meadows. And today we're talking about minute number 67 of Zack Snyder's Justice League. And this minute is going to start out with the heroes of old uh, standing before the separated mother boxes, um, still in the flashback war. Uh, And the minute is going to end with uh, King Atlan placing the mother box that the Atlanteans will be guarding in in this big temple, on a big pedestal, huh? Yeah, one big, big, big Lord of the Rings type room. One big pedestal with a uh, with with a uh, big old spiral staircase. Yeah. Um. So yeah, Nate. Last in yesterday's episode, you wanted to talk a little bit about the colors of the mother box, and yeah, uh, this episode is going to be all about what the humans and yeah, just all the humans. Uh, yeah. All the humans. I was, I was thinking in my head, like, Atl- Atlanteans and Amazons count as humans, too. So, um, They're humans. Yeah. What they get to deal, what they get to do with the, all the mother boxes. So, um, Right? Are they? Hu- yeah. They're, yeah. I was like, somehow. Because they're second, from Earth. Yeah. I uh, second-guessed myself. I was like, all the humans get the, have to deal with the mother boxes, not the gods. But then I was like, wait a minute. Amazons and Atlanteans. And then I, I don't know. I don't know why that confused me so much, but I feel like everyone was like, maybe asked that question at some point. Um, I don't wait. Hang on. No, I don't think we can. can I don't think they're humans. See, I I'm sorry. I, brought I honestly up. don't think we. Uh, now I feel like I'm wrong, but uh, they're Atlanteans and they're. Somehow I feel like I shouldn't be right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, the anyway. Amazons, the Atlanteans, and the regular non-meta-human humans mm-hmm. deal with mother boxes. Yes. Okay. That's now that good. we're all kind of on the same page. Yeah. Uh, so Question yeah. has it. So <laughs> um, <laughs> the placement of the mother boxes are uh, they in front of each person that is supposed to be taking them, which is a two-part question because then it is, are the Amazons taking the yellow? Are the men taking the blue and then... No, I don't think that's right. I don't think this that's is, right. This is, I don't think that's right because... Let me tell you what I think. They're pointing Atl- like, can I get the blue one? Yeah, okay. Well, and the Amazons are like, no, let me get the red one. Yeah, well, you're ruining it. Atlanteans have the blue one. <laughs> Amazons, I believe, have the red one. Have the and red one. Going, that's mainly because of the color of the box that uh, I've seen. Um. I think that's really it. But uh, man gets yellow in that case. Yes. Um, okay, so that's pretty much just that. Do you know what do you think? Do you have any speculation on I what think, the colors would mean? I think it's being told to us in these scenes. It's kind of like uh, how they did it in like the Defenders when they had like color coding for, you know, Iron Fist and Luke Cage and Jessica yeah. Jones and Daredevil. I had to go through all the names just to make sure everyone got their their names okay. called out. Um, but they would change things like, okay, this whole scene is going to be kind of like yellow based for Iron Fist and all that, right? Or was Luke Cage, Iron Fist was green, Luke Cage was yellow. And then, so anyways. I understand what you mean, yes. The mother boxes, well, I'm explaining it to anyone who doesn't. <laughs> okay. The mother boxes, yellow, blue, and red. Blue for the Atlanteans, red for Amazons, 
yellow for humans. I think in this scene here that we see where they're, where the humans are kind of uh, encasing their mother box in clay, um, it has this yellow, uh, I don't know, metal, liquid metal that they're using. And yeah. there's like this yellow smoke here and this yellow magma. And I feel like that yellow represents this mother box. And then when you see... Or it's just hot steel? Yeah, but I feel like color coding, right? Color palette. Yeah, I get... I, yeah, I'm... I'm... I, I have no reason to not believe you. I'm I'm all for it. I'm I'm the one that asked for the explanation. And then the, here... Atlanteans, obviously, it's, it's all blue. It's blue, because... Everything's blue. But they're not underwater yet. No. Which Everyone has like to remember that. Big shift, because... It's a blue things, yeah. color. It's blue... Uh, they're not underwater, and even on the close-up of King Atlan, there's like some little floaties uh, in the air, but that's just dust, you know. Sunlight. Yeah, that is very misleading on purpose, though. Yeah, it has 100%. to be. They're not underwater yet, and also, like, even when they're making their mother box, which is one of the coolest things in this entire movie. So yeah, you want to break them up? You want to talk about you each talk. one of them? Let's talk about. Okay. Well, we only get two. We don't get the. We don't, we get, don't the get the Amazon third one. We don't get the Amazons yet. But I'm guessing I'm gonna put my bottom dollar down, saying that scene is going to be uh, color red. Well, yeah, I know. I that's what I'm saying. I know that the Amazon one is red because the laser beam, right? Is the red? laser beam, and then them whatever dusting that they're putting on it, whatever enchanting thing, it's it's red flakes. Um, yeah, chili pepper flakes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Gotta have them uh, Greek spices on there. Hey, don't forget the chorizo. Yeah. Um. So like they're putting all that on the uh. Yeah, it's it's red anyway. Yeah. So um, we also have a special guest cameo when they're doing the human scene. Let's just finish talking about this one. Um. This has this has Dark Side himself, Ray Porter, right here. Uh, in the background, he's one of the uh men working on casing in this mother he's- box. Don't just, he's not, he is the main blacksmith that was tasked for doing this, in, encapsulating the mother box. This man is a king. <laughs> this isn't just, this is, Arthur went to this guy and said, I need the best blacksmith. And he said, hey man, you remember that silly little sword we found in that pond? Yeah, well we gotta like do something kind of crazy Er, Blacksmith had nothing to do with the sword. But you get what I'm saying. No, yeah. King I, Arthur has to know the most badass blacksmith. You know yeah. that's the case. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, he has, uh, and it's it, his Come whole Come on, the costume. dude's got a giant round table. I mean, really. And he does, he bakes that into it. Like, he, he ha- like, the fact that that round table thing is in there, that the 12 dots round table motif is on the mother boxes, like, King Arthur had to go to this man and be like, I want this sealed and all the knights of the round table must agree that we must not destroy this mother box, but just hide it in a six feet hole. Um, and so he was Bare, like, barely. And even Ray Porter's costume, where he's got like the, he has his own kind of gauntlets on, which are really cool. And like these like sleeves that have metal plating on the tunic, like his costume is fantastic. Um, but yeah, for, I guess if somebody doesn't know, uh, Ray Porter is the voice of Darkseid in this movie, and he does a fantastic job. Um, there's so much love and respect for this man, um, and I feel like 
he deserves it because like when that kind of announcement came out, like people like just don't care who the voice actor for Darkseid is, but it's like he's the main villain. And it's very easy for studios to to come in and be like, okay, well, if Darkseid's gonna be the main character, we need to get a big prolific actor to play the big bad of this saga. Um and are you are you thinking Josh Brolin and that I didn't say that, but you said it. So now it's out there. Come on. But it's true. Like it's very easy to to skim over. And this is something voice actors have been dealing with for a while, is that they are easily replaced by celebrities. Like that's kind of like I know Invincible is a really big hit TV show and everyone loves all the voice actors that are in it, but think about all the voice actors that do that as a profession. Mm-hmm. And none of them got to be in that show. Everything was a A-list actor that has something else on their plate. You know, it's like, oh, J.K. Simmons did a fantastic job. It's like, okay, but a voice actor who does this every day could do that as well. You know, for yeah. them, it's easy to get that job. For voice actors, it's they have to really work for it and then not get it. It's mm-hmm. it's. And so for Ray Porter, it's like, yes, he's a voice actor. Yeah, he's not really well-known filmography, and you know, but he deserves it. He deserves the credit. And I would hate to see them be like, okay, well, Darkseid's in the next movie. We got to get our own Josh Brolin to be on the to be the new Darkseid, and we need a motion capture, performance capture, and make Darkseid look like Josh Brolin. You know, kind of thing. Like with Thanos. I'm not about. I wasn't about that. That's that was my main point of like, that's not. That's not the route to take. I thought about that too when uh, we were talking about uh, uh, what is that other son of Darkseid character? I keep forgetting his name. Orion? No, the Ebony oh, Maw. Um, being when we not Darkseid Thanos. Yeah, son of Thanos. What did I say? Son of Darkseid. Um, yeah. Ebony Maw was voiced mm-hmm. by uh, Bill Weasley, and then all I said, like once you said that, then all I could think about was how Ebony Maw, like somehow reminds me of of him like it's modeled after him that's all i, I mean, can think about and i was like what what the ah. hell was his name in the star war hugsley uh, yeah saying tenor to his voice just like that high strung yeah second in command loudmouth brat <laughs> typecasted <laughs> you know? as yeah D- great acting don't get me wrong great acting do you ever yeah. see swiss army man great movie um yeah He's typecasted uh, as the assistant to the evil regional manager. Oh wait, I don't think he was in Swiss Army. I think it was Paul Dano and the and the other Harry Potter guy. (laughs) Yeah, Daniel Radcliffe. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So that's all I wanted to say about Ray Porter. He deserves the credit. Uh, This was something you and I noticed immediately when we saw this movie. First time viewing, we're both like doing the whole Leonardo DiCaprio pointing at the TV, going, "This Ray Porter." There he is. (laughs) We saw. That's pretty cool. but uh, so so the the process of what humans go through is that they're they're casting the metal obviously to encase the the mother box because in, in its raw form it's got that cube s- separation of cubes. That's mm-hmm. a good term. Um, <laughs> separation of cubes. <laughs> yeah. C- cubes and the concept of breathing. Uh, so like they're casting the housing metal mm-hmm. box. Yeah. Um, and baking it in that clay. 
Yeah, and you know what's cool and fun to think about is that it took Silas so long to figure out how to open that metal box. Begs a question, what the hell was that metal box made out of? That Arthurian is Arthurian metals, right? That's wild. Must have got Merlin in on that. No, Merlin wasn't. He got, you got Ray Porter Blacksmith. Maybe Merlin wasn't even around. Merlin said, sorry, I'm out. Got back. He probably died. So that would have been oh, that would have been a cool shot if Merlin was in this scene right here, like helping enchant the the human's mother box. At least that would have been kind of cool. Just to have like a crazy wizard in the back. Hey, maybe Merlin, maybe Ray Porter is Merlin, and he's some kind of like more badass looking Merlin. Could be. Now there's an idea. <laughs> now there's a bat. Now there's an idea. That's fun to think about in the in an Excalibur kind of way. If 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 Zach would have told me. That's Merlin. I'd be like, okay. I'd be like, absolutely. I'd be like, I see and he's it. placing his hands like he's as if he's overseeing the uh, the construction of the box after whatever magic went in. I don't know. I could see it. Um, I could totally see it. Yeah. So Mer- that process of whatever whatever smelting, um, I guess you got to pour it pour it into the or cool it off in the yeah in the, so... in the clay and then break the clay away. It's like old old kiln. Yeah, it has like that cavity in it, and then they just fill. They have the mother box in there, and then they just fill it with liquid metal, and then in between the you know the clay and the mother box, it just kind of seals up, and then they break it off, uh, which is really cool. I I really do enjoy each and every way they. I like how this movie decides that that's going to be part of the movie. Like we're going to have the casing of the mother boxes, and it's like, yeah, yeah no, that's um. That is how you would kind of give character to each of these three mother boxes instead of just being like, oh, we have to find the three cubes. It's like, oh, the mother box of man, the mother box of Atlantis, and the mother box of Themyscira. Like, they have identity now. They have character. And again, when we talked about it last week, like, they personified these mother boxes already, calling them living machines. In the end of the movie, you see them as these actual mother alien deities. It's like, Giving them character is the best thing you can do for a relic that, that has to be part of the storytelling. You can at least give it some character. Um, and so, I, yeah, I think especially them not just, like, giving it to man, like, having shots of, like, oh, yeah, man took one, Atlantis took one, Amazon took one, and just being done with it, kind of like how they did in the other version. I don't even know if the other movie did show them putting it away i don't even know i don't think they did that whole bit where they were hiding the mother boxes themselves but this scene does more it's not just placing them in hiding it's also how they create the casing for them and this atlantis one to me is like probably the most prolific one for me like this was the one i was like that's that's that good atlantis stuff this is one is a really cool one to think about this was the one. This is like I think I said I said it out loud when I when I like it just kind of like the math kind of clicked in my head and I was like, oh that thing, they have so they have some octopus like pearl kraken type beast yeah that they can, yeah and they're not underwater so this octopus has to live in some sort of tank or call it from the sea somehow and consume this mother box and create a pearl casing around the mother box 
like pressurizing sand and and coral f- and dead fish from the ocean and creating this this casing that's mind blowing that someone thought about that that they were like okay well how are we going to make the mother box of atlantis and zach's like okay well we get this octopus right and they kind of create a pearl casing like that's that's not something you can just that's not in another comic book is it like maybe i don't i don't think so that's just that's a that's brilliant div- idea it's a it's it's fun to imagine all of these different societies have their own ways of you know according to their rituals of each you know society <clears throat> excuse me of each society and um it, that right there kind of opens the door to just imagination. I mean, think about if we go back to think about man's. It's like what would have what would man be doing? Yeah, they'd get some sort of blacksmith to do something with it. And what's fun about that? The type of or, or the the way that they would encase something in metal is cool. The way of how ceramics were made in the 1600s or what have you, further back than that. Um, <laughs> uh, and then you know you get to the Atlanteans where they are fish people or they, they are, uh, you know, commanding the ocean. Um, and it makes sense for them to have some sort of beast. Uh, that right there is just cool. Like the Atlanteans have like some sort of trap door thing that opens up into the Kraken's tank. And it's like, well, you're done kid. Like we, we got a, we got a relationship with these creatures and they can, you know, help us do things. And, I think that's, that's the thing. That's neat. I think that's the thing I like the most about these movies, like the DC Cinematic Universe, and how it's from this one director's kind of vision. Is like he has to create all these different cultures that are based on myth, all the other cultures. Yeah, cultures yeah. of our cultures of our own culture, mm-hmm. and he has to take all those things and he has to make Atlantis. He has to make Amazon uh, because he also helped make the first Wonder Woman movie. So, and also by creating wonder woman and dawn of justice you help create the template for the wonder woman movie and all the amazons that are in there and themiscara and then now back to justice league creating the culture of atlantis and creating the culture of man at the time and king arthur and you know what does cyborg look like what is, what apocalypse looks like what does krypton look like and creating all these different things it's so impressive his visionary Fine. mind and I think that's the one thing I, I struggle with with the, the Marvel movies is that unless a director comes in and they make Black Panther and they have a director who can be a visionary and make Guardians of the Galaxy and make Black Panther, then they take those and then they can incorporate it into the Avengers movies and then there's mythology there because at least they have a story where someone was, you know, visionary enough to create those things and then they just borrow them you know you hardly ever see those avenger movies create anything mythological on their own they kind of just well the other movies set them up yeah asgard was created by the first thor movie and And so they blew it up yeah and then and then dark they blew it up that's one of the great things about the second Thor movie, Dark World. I mean, yeah, it's not that great. Yeah, you bring in all this mythology of the character and everything like that, and then you just like sweep it under the rug at the end of the movie. Like, sorry, there's more important things that that the humans are dealing with. So, you know, 
But it's like when the, uh, and I think that's one of the hindrances of those Avengers movies, like Ultron and the first one, and um, even like Infinity War and all that. It's just when it's on Earth, it just looks very sterile. Like it just doesn't it's have just one. It's flat. It's just it looks very flat. Like it's, it's stati- or, uh, but static. yes, it's great that you have Spider Man in there. When he does show up, it is like hell yeah, this is awesome because y'all. But when they're fighting in an airport, there's no mythology. There's no there's no weight to what any of it means. You know, like it doesn't have no. But then you go you, exactly. Great example. Take it back a few years before that. Again, still with the Marvel ones. Something that works. We're doing. We're trading off things that are bad, things that work. Something that works with that one, you had a good portion of the setting being on a Quinjet. Something that we have never seen in that universe really before. Or not the Quinjet, the big... The, the big uh, one. The, the carrier. Helicarrier. Yeah. yeah. Something we haven't really seen before. And that's a big setting. That's mm-hmm. something that we know. Okay, you got these rooms you got the freaking hulk cage thing that's cool that's universe building yeah and then you take it into an airport in germany and it's like well why why are they here oh they're on the run okay like why not fight on a helicarrier yeah like there's nothing i mean (laughs) that would have been kind of cool because that would bring it back Anything yeah. of, of this sort, you know? Because like, the, the Avengers started on a helicarrier. You could also have them break apart on a helicarrier. That would be poetic. There you go. Mark, why aren't you writing this thing? Come on, I don't. I'm not. A, nah. Anyways, it's just like one of those things that, you know, when you you have a lot of people to thank for creating the Marvel Universe. But when other directors step in and they just start kind of like borrowing what's already been made in the past, then it kind of loses like it loses its touch when they get to a point and they're like, well, I, I got to create something on my own now. And it's, it's, uh, here we are in New York again. And it's trade off is what storytelling and setting versus money. It's just visionary. It's just a visionary thing. I I think one of the things that, and I really like infinity war and I really like captain America and all that. But when he shows back up again on that train scene, I was like, Hmm, I can see this getting a large crowd reaction in a theater. But now when you just kind of watch it at home and you kind of just go like, oh, yeah, there's Captain America. He's about to show up. It just doesn't, like, take that entrance shot of Captain America, like, walk, showing up from that train scene where he's fighting. Blackness and he comes into light. Yeah. The, yeah, okay. And then, take the, and then take the same shot of Superman walking out with his black suit or his first suit in Man of Steel. And just think about like the imagery and the and the and the composition of like that shot and like what it means in it, you know. And there's just something like that where I'm like, that looks visionary and that looks cr- incredibly cool for a comic book movie. This just looks like WWE. Everyone start applauding in the movie theater. You've got five seconds before the action picks up again, so get your cheers in now, kind of thing. That's what I'm talking about. It's like eh, I don't know. I don't know if it's a good shot. <laughs> it's just my take. I'm right there with you. But here if, we are if, talking if about you want me if you yeah. Here we are talking about mother boxes getting paralyzed by an octopus, and that amazes me, right? Like yeah, that's what exactly. I'm saying. It's like that that it seems incredible to me. I'm applauding for that. Let me applaud during that scene. If I see this movie in a movie theater, it's just good stuff. I'm applauding when the dude says, "What's the weapon's name?" and the guy says, "Stormbreaker." It's like, yeah, absolutely. That's that's your mythology yeah. right there. 
the cosmic stuff in Ooh, the, and look at that it deals with thor right there's your mythology come yeah, on yeah the cosmic like stuff in the marvel universe is like the best part it is it really is the best part oh we're gonna call him adam right there there's your mythology yeah so good um and uh one of the things i wanted to talk about right here in the beginning when we were talking about those those mother boxes is this is the scene where they kind of divvy up the boxes and you have king atlan uh king arthur and queen apolita and just like with the mother boxes you also get to see each of their crowns and we talked about this last week when we were talking about we were talking a lot about the atlanteans and how modern they look or or high tech yeah but they look more advanced than the others and Mm -hmm. you can see that here i mean obviously he's got like this gold gilded crafted uh crown and then you look at king arthur and it's you know just bones of a deer and you look at queen apolita and she's got like teeth for a crown and stuff like that which is really cool and and old and ancient and then you look back at king atlan and he's like yeah i got a gold suit on what are you gonna do about it like i'm way ahead of you with technology like it it does really represent their status and it looks really really cool it still looks so elvish to me mm-hmm. all the atlantean stuff even when he's putting the the box in the in the in the guard tower or whatever that's still like giant stone structures like that just scream rivendell you know it their connection with the beasts and everything they're so elvish. Yeah. They, uh, that's awesome. They look very Anglo-Saxon, uh, Aryan, if you will. Um, and that was something that kind of surprised me because when they casted Jason Momoa as more as this uh, Maori, New Zealand, um, Polynesian type actor, I was just kind of thinking, okay, well, that's cool if all of Atlantis is like that but it's not. They're all blonde hair, blue eye, kind of like we thought Aquaman should be. And then they bring in Aquaman who, you know, Jason Momoa who isn't. And that's a shock to me. I was thinking like, oh, that would be cool if all of Atlantis was like that. But they're not. Um, So I wonder why that is. But also, that might be the whole point. Yeah, I mean, his dad was a surface guy. Yeah, and it's, you know, kind of dealing with uh and they're not all you know like atlantis supremacy inbred atlanteans i guess yeah pure blood bullshit you know yeah it works well especially with king orm being blonde hair and blue eye this time this time around um and patrick wilson is not is not that that character so you know they made him look that way on purpose um so oh uh we totally skipped over this part but this is the amazon's calming the mother box. I'm still weary on that. Cause they try I don't to do know it. if, the, I don't know if that is what they are doing. Maybe in my eyes and from what I've have seen it, even from watching it the first time and even in the beginning of the movie, I never got it as being like a calming thing of just more of like a, uh, ch- checking type, like uh, sensing, um, feeling the power i don't i don't know but it doesn't seem like because from what i know of amazons they don't have magical powers like whatever it would be to calm a 
biomechanical machine. Yeah. Machine. Unless Queen Apollo like wrapped the lasso of Hestia on it and was like submit, and then the mother box just kind of like depowered, then that would be like, okay, well she used magic to calm down the magic talking yeah. box, basically. I think it's more of just like um, and I hate to say it, just like a primitive, like. Uh, probing type thing like you're just checking to see what the hell's going on mm-hmm. with it, and it's obviously calming down you know maybe it's hmm because the mother boxes are sentient maybe the mother boxes are pleading fealty and maybe she's it's kind of like that scene in uh starship troopers where mph is like it fears us with the big old alien at the end it's like yeah. Menelipa is here pointing the sword at it and sensing the mother box and being like, it's scared of us now. Yeah. And now it, like, it's, they're starting to depower because they realize that without Darkseid and the priest that the mother boxers are like, all right, you got us. We're going to shut down now because uh, we don't want to get stabbed by the magic sword that you have. So, which I don't know if it's probably not directly afraid of her, but it's, Afraid of the three t- tall gods behind them. <laughs> yeah, just every you know, just the force that was able to stop them and and subdue them and everything like that. I I don't necessarily think it's a calming thing. I just think it's a precaution. Like, yeah, checking a pulse. It is reacting to her hand. So yeah, maybe it is kind of like okay, th- I'm scared. Yeah, so. I mean, maybe in a sense it is calming it, but I would would assume that it would just be like in a transfer energy type way or just like a, I don't know. I think you're right in like she's sensing what it's feeling and then like the mother box itself is just kind of like, all right. Okay, 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 you got me. You I got me. I win yeah. or I, I give up. <laughs> I give up. I give up, yeah. Uh, yeah. And, uh, no, I think that's, do you have anything else? No, the last thing that I was going to say is that it's really cool to, going back to talking about the armor and and everything, it's cool to see, um, the change in, like, an older Queen Hippolyta, just older Amazons, where it is Mm -hmm. mostly leather and, and bone, um, yeah, just, just all leather, and then knowing that they're all you know, gilded in metal, metals and everything and, and gold. Yeah. Uh, later on. That's that's really cool. That's a triumph of your society. Because Zeus created the mascara for them. He didn't just isolate it. He gave them that world and uh casted them there. I'm pretty sure. I just mm-hmm. watched this movie recently. So maybe so, he gave them like a uh, renewable resources to to continue perfecting who they are, possibly because this yeah. fight yeah. happened before their enslavement and yeah. betrayal. So who's to say that this very ground isn't the same land that Zeus cast them out on? Maybe the Amazons are just here always. Everybody else came on a boat. Man probably. Got, then that would mean they were separating. <laughs> Pangea. Zeus causes Pangea, and said, all for Themyscira. Could be right. 
<laughs> could be right. This could be Themyscira. He could just be like, eh, why'd you guys stay here? Yeah, eh, you stay here. Let me just put this bubble here. Eh, stay here. Eh, have my kid. You know. Um, and also looking at Menelipa, her cape is just like horse hair, which is a really crazy detail. Using every part of that animal, like leather, the bones, the hair. To make the effect of a cape is is really cool. I wouldn't have thought that uh, that would have been a thing. It's a to, to have the hair as the cape. Even Hippolyta has. Yeah, it. look, like right there, like on the on the sides of her sleeves there. And like he's. I mean, he's you, you would assume that pelts would be capes and stuff, right? But yeah, that's, not just that's the, the, the hair itself. That's how he has it. That's how King Arthur has it. And then you look at King Atlan, and he's like, nah, I got... He's got a regular cape. I've, I've got a cape. satin cape. I've got... Yeah. <laughs> I had this tailor-made before I came here. Yeah. Wearing the good stuff. I got, I'm thinking Ray Porter's Merlin. Tell me he's Merlin. Let me get, the, <laughs> let me get that hot take. I think that's... Let me like, get the confirmation of Ray Porter Merlin. Yeah. And then look at the, the, the wall here in Atlantis. Like, that's a window, right? That's a... Almost. Yeah, we see it in it's um uh, I don't think it's a I don't think there's glass. Uh so no. we see it later on and it's uh you know porous, I guess, membrane Yeah. Type. Um but so yeah, no, I'm I'm assuming that it's the same here. It's not glass. Um it's like some kind of like sea stone architecture that you would see at like some um coastline type city like Spain or something. You see like kind of like uh, that kind of sea stone type architecture. I know what you mean. Yeah, I get what you mean. That's cool. It still amazes me that this structure is uh, not, not underwater. Sealed. It's uh, not sealed. Oh. It's just like pillars. It's just very know? tall walls, and it's like yeah. not a castle. But like, where could it be? Yeah, incredible stuff. Um. That's all I have for this one, Nate. So it kind of it's a nice ending for this minute, and then I think tomorrow we're gonna get into the Amazon mother box. Yep. So unless you have anything else, I'm gonna go ahead and wrap it up for today. If you guys enjoyed everything, you can find us on all social media at DCEU Minutes and the Facebook group, the DC Cinematic Minute Listener Society. You can join us to talk about today's minute or any minutes you guys are catching up on. I'll catch you guys tomorrow for minute number 68 of Zack Snyder's Justice League.